ಸಹನಾವತು ಸಹನೌಭುನಕ್ತು ಸಹ ವೀರ್ಯಂ ಕರವಾವಹೈ ತೇಜಸ್ವಿನಾವಧೀತಮಸ್ತುಮಾವಿಷಾವಹೈ ನಮಸ್ತೆ ಟು ಆಲ್ ಆಫ್ ಯು ಅಂಡ್ ಲೆಟ್ ಅಸ್ ಲುಕ್ ಅಟ್ ದ ಟೆಕ್ಸ್ಟ್ ವೇರ್ ವಿ ಲೆಫ್ಟ್ ಆಫ್ ಸೊ ದ ಕಾನ್ವರ್ಸೇಷನ್ ದೇ ಆರ್ ಆಸ್ಕಿಂಗ್ ಇನ್ ಮಂತ್ರ ನಂಬರ್ ತ್ರೀ ಅಸ್ಯ ಅತೀಂದ್ರಿಯಸ್ಯ ಭೂತಸ್ಯ ದ ಒನ್ ದಟ್ ಈಸ್ ನಾಟ್ ಅವೈಲೇಬಲ್ ಫಾರ್ ಆಬ್ಜೆಕ್ಟಿಫಿಕೇಶನ್ ಫ್ರಮ್ ದಟ್ ಯು ನೋ ಕೈಂಡ್ ಆಫ್ ಅ ಬೀಯಿಂಗ್ ವಿಚ್ ಈಸ್ ಕ್ರೆಡಿಟೆಡ್ ವಿಚ್ ದೇ ಆರ್ ಕ್ರೆಡಿಟಿಂಗ್ ವಿತ್ ದ ಕೆಪಾಸಿಟಿ ಟು ವಾಟ್ ಟು ಬಿ ಏಬಲ್ ಟು ಪವರ್ ದಿಸ್ ಬಾಡಿ ಎಂಪವರ್ ದಿಸ್ ಬಾಡಿ ಟು ಹ್ಯಾವ್ ಲೈಫ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಟು ಮೂವ್ and to make decisions to be a karta to be a bhokta so these are all attributes that are not in any manner intrinsic to the body because what is the body like like a cart it can move but it needs a driver a force to make it move it is designed to move it is an ayatana ayatana means what it's a it's a uh, means it's a upakarana it's a means it's an ayatana for for the human being it's an ayatana to 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 be able to uh, to to do bhoga to experience various things and to do various things to be a karta and a bhokta this is the shariram idam shariram ayatanam means this is a means and so like the cart is a means to take you from place to place it has the it has wheels it has a place where you can sit it has a place where you can uh, you know tie the mule or the horse or whatever your mode of uh, you know taking it there uh, from one place to another it has you know it has the capacity but it is itself unable to move similarly the body is impeccably made it has the capacity for you know superimposing upon it the kartritvam and the bhoktritvam the doership and the experiencership so to speak and but who is the driver what is the nature of the being who is its driver and uh, and what kind of a glory is this glory here is shakti vibhuti so he is talking about bhagavan and bhagavati this bhagavan uh, you know who is the who is the jagat karta so they already know these valakhilyas they already know that this jagat karta is is the karta of this body and uh, of this body mind complex and which because of whose glory because of whose shakti the body is as though propped up with sentience and the capacity to move eat drink wail and lament about its condition all those things and they say yad bhagavan vetsi tad asmakam tad asmakam bruhiti so please tell all that you know 
everything that you know we would like to know so you please tell us all the things that you know about what about this body about this you know this being that powers this body mind sense complex whatever you know please tell please tell this because we want to we we want to know what is the what is that we have to um you know what is that uh, uh, what is that you know thing that is going on we would like to know how is this body come to life and who is this being and what kind of a glory does it have and not only that what is the nature of this being that's very important because uh, you know the the desire to know this being is what is called you know mumukshutvam jignasutvam this is the the desire for knowledge self knowledge but that is not the self we are talking of jagat karta bhagavan but in the minds of the valakhilyas which is which are very pure all the minds you know they have already established a connection between what between the presence of the between the presence of this body mind complex that you know that has uh, between the presence of this body mind sense complex that has uh, the capacity to uh, to to talk walk etc and the 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 karta the the, the karta who is this karta bhagavan there is a connection between the self and bhagavan why because self longs for bhagavan that's why there cannot be many bhagavans yeah, despite the logicians claim because the uh, the possibility of many bhagavans does not jive well with the fact that the long it is not it is not in keeping with the human longing for oneness you don't long to be one with many bhagavans you are craving oneness with that one thing because of which this whole universe runs and so this longing and this craving is very very well expressed in the in the question of the valakhilyas and from the question itself we can see how evolved their mind is okay and so then mantra number 4 tan ho vacha iti and so prajapati must have been very happy with their question and answered what does he say yo ha khalu vav uparistha uparistha shruyate guneshu iv urdhare tasah sava esha esha shuddhah putah shunyah shantah apranah niratma anantah akshayah sthirah शाश्वतः अजः स्वतंत्रः स्वेमहिम्नी तिष्ठति अजेन इदं शरीरं चेतनवत् प्रतिष्ठापितं प्रचोदयितावा एषः अपि अस्य इति ते होचुः भगवन् कथम् अनेन ईदृशेन अनिष्ठेन एतद्विधमिदं चेतनवत् प्रतिष्ठापितं 
ಉಪನಿಷತ್ because these are very important mantras talking about the definition of bhagavan and you see that's why yesterday i talked about how there is the the need for a different means of knowledge and in the weekend classes i will talk about this uh, further because we are you know we need to discuss this there as well um there is a need for a different uh, means of knowledge because all the means of knowledge that i am equipped with that this jiva is equipped with have what have the are flawed why are they flawed because they have the, they have a very serious limitation what's the limitation the limitation is that they while they are very adept these means of knowing like perception inference etc that we discussed yesterday they are totally useless in knowing the i why because there is kartra karma virodha there seems to be an opposition between the karta and the karma between the subject and the object who is the subject i who wants to know who is the object of knowledge i <laughs> so this subject that ha- that is subject to various Uh, misapprehensions and wrong understanding about the i which is also the object of knowledge which happens to be the subject how can this i know this i <laughs> through its own means through the means that it has been equipped with it cannot know the i why because you know it's like how you know you need you know you need a means of knowledge because otherwise the subject which is trying to know itself will come in the way the mindset will come in the way limitations will come in the way so many ideologies and notions will come in the way therefore sit under a tree and ask who am i who am i who am i that's not going to help you know you know but they say oh but ramana maharshi said that that's what the followers of ramana maharshi think he said that's not what he said <laughs> he said you enquire into the i uh, start the self enquiry with the question who am i that that is exactly what the valakhilyas have been doing here in the last mantra who is what is this the nature of this body this is how the who am i you know enquiry is conducted with the help of a teacher not on one's own adi shankara wants uh, in many places and in the bhashya of the mundakopanishad he says it very very clearly you know for he says that shastragyopi swatantriyena atmanveshanam nakuryat may one not do a self enquiry by oneself shastragyopi even though they may they may know how to read the upanishads and they have you know they they know the meter they know the language 
they are pandits in a way they know how to chant the rudram and all these things and still such a person should not enquire on their own why because it's a it's a it's a disastrous road that's how the you know the, the, there is no parampara there is no lineage and that's how the knowledge becomes subject to vagueness whatever one gets you know is subject to vagueness doubt and error whereas the knowledge gained from the upanishad using the the tool of the parampara you know is free of these flaws it's not subject to doubt it's not subject to vagueness it's not subject to error because just as that teacher in the past 10 teachers ago you know told his or her student and taught them fully then that's the same way that teacher taught this one and that one and this one and that one you know asmadacharya paryantam vande guru paramparam i salute the whole lineage of acharyas you know up to my teacher that is what the prayer is very beautiful so so what now so the thing is this that this study is not some kind of a you know some kind of a pastime it is it is a serious exposure to the knowledge and if i am serious about it i will take the means of knowledge called the upanishad seriously the upanishad is complete it is its own means of knowledge and that means what i cannot contradict it using another means of knowledge i like just like i gave the example yesterday i cannot say you know i see you but i don't think you exist what do you mean you 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 mean i you know you you see me but i don't exist if you see me i should exist yeah but i don't hear you <laughs> i don't smell you <laughs> you know that is that's that is silly you know and so therefore the uh, uh, the the uh, each means of knowledge is a raja in its own right it cannot be contradicted by another means of knowledge and whatever the upanishad teaches us must you know if it is a means of knowledge it must tell us what we want to hear and nobody wants to hear you know what come over here what oh guru what I, i'm going to teach you something oh thank you guru i was waiting for you all my life where were you okay now i have come sit down the student sits down and the teacher says you know what you are separate from everything else uh huh okay you should write this down oh okay i'll write it down you are separate from everything else you are a jeeva and you have full of peeves in fact let us call you peeva you are a peeva full of all kinds of problems and who is bhagavan bhagavan is perfect flawless and uh, you have to get bhagavan's grace and then what then you know uh oh but before i come to that you are also separate from the person sitting next to you oh yeah i, I kind of knew that shut up just listen you know <laughs> you, you have to you 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 are separate from every single object in the universe oh okay and are you paying attention yes yes guru i'm paying attention okay now what what should i do I, what should i do to end this separation because i don't want this separation all right i'm going to give you a formula you pray all right i'll pray 
you pray to Bhagavan because Bhagavan is flawless, you are full of flaws. And then what? Maybe after death, Bhagavan, you can get a small little place as a little piece of dust on the foot of Bhagavan. <laughs> you are sitting there on the foot of Bhagavan, enjoying Bhagavan, you know, as a, as a little piece of dust, a little piece of lint that got somehow attached to the toes. <laughs> So, in between the toes you are and you are enjoying. Why? Because you are enjoying the closeness to this Bhagavan. So, can't I have that closeness and oneness now? No. Why? Because look at your body. It's full of all kinds of, you know, all kinds of horrible, uh, you know, horrible things that happen and this decaying body. You know, this body is full of flaws. You can't have this. And then the student goes away and what did the student learn? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. That is the answer. The student did not learn anything. Why? Because it's nothing other than what the student already knew. In fact, this is our bread and butter. This is our capital. You come into this universe knowing full well that everything is, you know, wrong. Sorry, everything is separate from you. You are separate from other jivas. Jiva, Jiva separation. You know that. Jiva, Jagat separation. You are separate from everything in the universe. You know that. Yeah. And then what? You are separate from Bhagavan. That's why you are singing sad songs. That's why it's called sad sang. <laughs> Not satsang, you know. The Americans usually say sad sang. And I have changed it to sad sang because the sad one sat and sang. Yeah, what did they sing? Oh Lord, where are you? Darshan do, give me some clue, where are you? I'm sad without you. And then it becomes a support group because this fellow is not singing by himself, herself. And <laughs> there are other people. So everybody goes away sad. But this one already knows. knew. So this is not uh, news that I am separate from everything else. That is our bread and butter and capital before we seek the teacher. One seeks the teacher, one seeks the knowledge. Why? Because one wants to understand, you know, is there something underlying this separation? Why? Because one, one has this inbuilt, uncultivated craving to be one with everything. And somehow inside one knows that this oneness is when what I aspire. And what, you know, well, you know, the, the promise of this afterlife, you'll get one, you'll become one with Bhagavan, you'll get sit next to Bhagavan, you'll be a little butterfly sitting on the shoulder of Bhagavan, or you will be <laughs> a piece of dust on the foot of Bhagavan, you know, when? After you die and give up this body. But I'm hungry now. You know, it's like the person who, who says, please give me, you know, freedom from hunger. And you can't tell the person, you know, the Christian heaven says that after death it's the horn of plenty. There is lots to eat and there is the goblet of wine flowing and flowing and flowing. So after you know, death, you will have this thing called moksha and then you will be 
free from hunger. And what will the hungry person say if you were to tell the person like that? The hungry person is going to say, let me give you moksha right now because I'm really hungry. Let me wring your neck, you know, they're going to come after you. So therefore what? So this is not the, you know, this is not in keeping with the person's, you know, desire. And to fulfill the person's desire, the Veda gets incarnated again and again along with the Jagat in each cycle of creation. Maybe in the last life it was not called Veda. But this Veda is totally against Bheda. Bheda means difference. It is Abheda Darshana. It is a, it is a, you know, vision of oneness. And that is why we need to use the Veda, deploy the Veda as a means of knowledge, you know, not as some kind of a wish-fulfilling pretise, which the first portion is in order to get some preparation. That's how it is. Because otherwise nobody will read the Veda. The ones who starts to read and study the Veda is, is because one is interested in gaining time-bound ends. And, and later on, one gets the emotional maturity to seek the timeless. And the timeless, as I have told you, cannot be away from you. It is you. And the Valakhilyas know this. And so that's why this, this whole, you know, uh, this whole uh, teaching is, 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 to, is to show that this means of knowledge called what? You know, called the Veda, called Vedanta has to be taken seriously because let's see how Lord Prachapati answers and what he says. Yoha khalu vava yaha ha the one who you know what ha ha means this is how it is you know and it has been like this from a long time. So meaning this yaha means the one who Ha, indeed, from a long time. Khalu, Khalu means definitely. Vava, Vava means it is to, it is a statement of certainty. The Bhashya, you know, the, the Bhashya for this uh, uh, Upanishad says. And Vava also means indeed. Alankar Artham, Khalu and Vava are just ornamental, indeclinable words to just, you know, to, to, to highlight something that is coming here, to highlight this, these are kind of indeclinable, you know, words to, to, to order, uh, used as ornamentation. So we, we can, you know, even if you just uh, not look at these two uh, words, uh, her, Kalu and Baba, it doesn't make any difference. It doesn't take away from the, uh, from the purport of the sentence. So it doesn't detract from the meaning of the sentence. And so we can just say, Yaha uparisthaha, uparisthaha shruyate. And even here, Prajapati doesn't say, I know this by myself. Shruyate, it is talked about in the Shruti. And we have heard, meaning I have also been taught like this. And what, ha what have I been taught? Taught the one who, uparisthaha, the one who is above. Oh, oh, <laughs> upari means above. Staha, tishtati, the one who is saying above. Staying above means what? Already I have this problem. Whenever I think of God, the eyes fly upwards, which is very odd. <laughs> so, 
and then you know people go like this oh where are you <laughs> where are you you are somewhere up because i don't see you anywhere down and when i'm feeling down what do i do i look up to you <laughs> so this upward you know stay abiding up you know is very uh, what's that you know very dangerous if it is interpreted literally it cannot be taken literally <laughs> how can it be taken literally you know uparistha what is up you know what do you get by looking up you get a neck pain like brihadratha the king at least he was looking up at the sun but here you are not looking at this fellow is not looking up at the sun the one who goes like this oh lord <laughs> you know there is this up no the heaven is always up why is heaven up because anything that's up you know this is is wonderful because down you know the see the directions also we can we can be kind of discriminatory and in our daily language anything that is down the word down itself is is fraught with some wrong uh, you know um, what should i say wrong or right but certain assumptions pejorative assumptions like this man is looking down upon this person you know in this sentence looking down means treating this person badly how are you feeling i am a little down today <laughs> so this down means what not good in this sentence so let's turn on the news what's the economy like oh well it is you know it is it is getting a down it is gaining a downward trend you know and you know and then everything is and and then the person who is a who is very optimistic you know you, you ask the person how are you i'm down but not out i'm keeping on fighting so the word down has come down <laughs> with a lot of pejorative assumptions think about it it's really uh, hilarious how are you doing how is your health well i've come down with something i've come down with uh, flu i've come down with uh, some kind of an infection oh i've come down with bronchitis horrible so come down means what you know i'm not in the in optimal health so the word down the direction down is is down and out really you know and then what you tell the child it is you know it's uh, you know everything is uh, uh, what is that uh, is that expression uh, uh, you, you'll be you'll be go, you know you'll be going down if you if if this is how you continue you'll go down in your studies <laughs> you have to study <laughs> your grades are going down so this is you know so the word down is down with something or the other linguistically speaking now let us look at the word up <laughs> already the already the, everything is looking up so what's the weather like you ask the tv anchor oh things are going to look up for this weekend <laughs> it was raining there was a blizzard it was snowing it didn't know what it was doing it's called march madness you can never know what what's going to happen what minute the weather changes to something you know other completely opposite of what it was before 
But this weekend, things are looking up. Things are going to look up. Why are things going to look up? The things are going to look up because, you know, because the, there is some kind of a, what's the word for it? Some, uh, something is, uh, some pressure is changing and things are going to look up. The weather is looking up, you know. And same thing, economy has gained an upward trend. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm up today. I'm really, you know, happy today. That's what it means. And so, you see, in our language, the word in all cultures, this is not just in India, this is not just in the Upanishad. And this seems to be timeless, that down is, is reserved for anything that's not good, you know, going down, <laughs> downward trend, you know, looking down upon, and then, you know, looking up to, uh, you know, upward trend, all these things have a good meaning, very interesting. And so too in the Upanishad, you know, it's very easy to take the word Uparistha literally as pointing to the direction where Bhagavan resides, which is above, <laughs> you know. And in the Bible, this is taken literally. Heaven is above, as above, so below, earth is below because it's a place of confinement. It is a place of banishment. It's like a prison. Why? Because the, the jiva, this is actually, this can be very interesting if you look at the Bible Vedantically. So the jiva was ousted from paradise. Why? Because, <laughs> because the, the, the jiva dared to eat the tree, so not the tree, what is on the tree? The fruit from the tree of knowledge. This is what the Bible tells. And, you know, and we have to look deeply into this. Why? Because knowledge is not a phala, not a karma phala. If you try to treat knowledge as karma phala, then what happens? The, the, uh, the effect of this action, the result of this action is what? Is, is a big headache, is samsara. That's why they are banished to samsara. Because they are treating self, they are not understanding self-knowledge. That's why the Lord said, don't eat the, the fruit of the tree of self-knowledge. Maybe they were not ready for it, this, this Adam and this Eve. Maybe they, were, they really needed to have some more adhikaritvam. And then they were told, don't eat the, the, the uh, fruit of this particular tree. You can enjoy every other tree because that's karma phala. They were still gamboling in the first portion of the Veda. It's very clear. And in this first portion of the Veda, they were just frolicking and eating tree uh, fruits and, uh, you know, enjoying themselves and whatnot. And not yet prepared to, to understand what this tree of knowledge even is. And even though they were forbidden, you know, they went and tried to treat this knowledge as a karma phala. They tried to gain moksha out of karma. This is what it is. So you cannot get moksha out of action. But here, Adam and Eve precisely tried that. And what does that mean? It means samsara, instant banishment to samsara. And, uh, and of course, in the Bible, it is seen as, the earth is seen as down below. <laughs> down below. 
Why? Because it's a downward, it's a downsizing of their lifestyle. Yeah. Here they had no, they, they, did, they were not self-conscious, they were not, uh, they were not self-judging and then suddenly they started to feel humiliation, shame, guilt, hurt, all these emotions, you know, why? Because they were trying to, you know, they were trying to find the infinite in the finite. That is what the banishment is, really. There's no above and below, you know. No, when we talk about this limitless universe, what are the directions doing? Where is above? If the whole universe is you, where is above? You can't point to the head because that you which we are talking about is headless. Oh, it's decapitated? Yeah. It is limbless. So there is no hand to even point which is above below. Like, think about the Milky Way. Is it, where is it situated in the universe? Is it above? Is it below? From the standpoint of the Milky Way, it is neither above nor below, it simply is. No, but in, in relation to the universe, where is it? Array, it is part of the universe. You cannot say above, you cannot say below. This is really a big headache. Because if you start saying heaven is above and the eyes fly upwards, that means what? That, 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 that means some, it, 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 uh, it uh, yields to some unfortunate uh, conclusions, you know. And sometimes hilarious conclusions also. Where is God? God is uh, in heaven. Where is heaven? Above. Uparistha. <laughs> and then what? Why am I below? Is God a sadist or something? And what is this heaven? It's full. It's, it's beyond Papa Punya. It's beyond tears and fears. And it's got lovely things to eat. But why am I starving here? Well, that's because <laughs> your uh, forefather and foremother were banished. And that's what is called original sin. Actually, original sin is Atma Agyanam. That is the original sin. It's really a sin to call it a sin. It is how it is. Atma Agyanam, that has to be, that has to be, you know, the antidote for which is Atma Agyanam. And so if you keep looking at heaven and God literally as, you know, upward bound and somewhere up, then that means the so-called down is not blessed by Bhagavan. So Bhagavan made this universe. And then what? Went away. And of course, it will say, they will say it's a he, beard wala, <laughs> with a big beard. And what is this he? You know, this he is Bhagavan. Why not she? Well, where is she? <laughs> and Pooja Swamiji would always <laughs> joke while giving birth to this big Jagat, <laughs> she passed away. <laughs> she died in childbirth of the Jagat. This is, there is no Bhagavati, you know, there is no concept of Shakti in this, uh, in this theology because it is taken literally. You can't take the Bible literally. If you, if you look deeply into the Bible with Vedantic eyes, you see that there are certain, you know, there are some very, very important things that are being said, uh, you know. In the beginning, there was the word. Word is knowledge. The word was with God. Nay, the word was God. And the word is God. Yeah. And the word, and God created. Out of what? Out of nothing. We have to add a little word else after nothing. Out of nothing else other than herself himself. 
that itself was enough because this limitless consciousness this limitless being is is being what uh, is is being talked about and you cannot point a direction to where it says because limitless includes all directions and transcends them also so you know you cannot say which direction is the milky way <laughs> you know is it up is it down where is it and so therefore we have to you know we have to the first thing we have to dismiss is we have to dismiss these pejorative or you know ecstatic notions joyous or sorrowful notions connected respectively with the directions above and below first thing we have to dismiss that and if you are unable to dismiss that at least suspend that because the word uparistha has an entirely different meaning than sitting above the clouds and looking benignly on to this jagat oh i didn't do a bad job oh look at that one suffering oh maybe i should pull a, take a, take out you know take them out of their misery you know pull them up you know no uparistha means upari of what upari means untouched upari means many many things and you know upari the first meaning is untouched by the universe which is part of the creation untouched by everything that this bhagavan this lord has created along with bhagavati the shakti the shakti here is called bhagavati the feminine principle the feminine force which is a force to be reckoned with which is one half of bhagavan there are not two beings you know it is still one ishvara alone one half of bhagavan is feminine we say the left half the creative aspect of bhagavan is feminine and the knowledge aspect which is all knowledge the, the one who plans etc is the is the right side of bhagavan that's why we have ardhanarishvara and that's why we have what we have uh, this uh, you know dakshinamurti nataraja all these incarnations of bhagavan are half masculine and half feminine even dakshinamurti has one you know it it is shown one side of uh, the ear has a different earring has a masculine earring on the right side and a feminine earring on the left side to show that it's all one and so you know out of this bhagavan the universe came doesn't mean literally that bhagavan sat and created this universe and then got sick and just like a toy the child plays with a toy a toy a lego set and makes a little you know horse a building a, a little you know cart and a little driver and all these things and then gets bored and goes away no you know that which is uparistha means which is you know we are talking of two aspects of bhagavan one is the transcendental aspect or swarupa lakshana a definition you know from the we can't even call it aspect you know we are talking of a definition of bhagavan from the standpoint of the trans, being a transcendental being meaning after creating this universe bhagavan did not become part of the universe and then if you have a headache then bhagavan is also having a headache if you are uh, you know if you are not feeling up to something then bhagavan is also you know needing to take a take leave from office no no such thing why because this being 
creates the universe how you know creates the universe from uh, you know by by lending its presence and lending its spurti satta spurti pradanena this is again another expression which is worth writing down at least you can impress a few friends you know what are they you know satta spurti pradanena pradane pradanena you know uh, pradanena srijati so how does this person create how does this being create the being creates through by lending its sentience to everything and lending its existence to everything just like you lend your existence to all the things in the dream and you lend your awareness to all the things in the dream whose dream your own dream your own dream when you dream that you have won the lottery you know so much money you have won just by scratching off a few numbers you've got millions of dollars jackpot you have got and then what and then you know this is all of course in the dream <laughs> and then you know you invite your friends for a party to celebrate who who is you in the dream you have given yourself a body and then who is uh, who are the friends in the dream yeah, they, you have given them also a body they are not really there you have given the, them a body through your memory and through your awareness alone and then what there is food and drinks and chairs and tables because this is a you know this is a jagat dream jagat so it will have certain sentient things and insentient things so let us say the insentient things are all what you know they are all they are all here and there and uh, you know the like like uh, tables chairs mountains water everything maybe it's an outdoor party like a picnic all these things are there and then the people sentient people to occupy the chairs are there and of course no picnic is complete without ants you know so no cel outdoor celebration is complete without ants so then there is a long line of ants coming for the food which you have tried to keep at a, on a high place so that they don't get it so all then then there are birds and all these things are there who created all these things you you lent your own existence to create these bodies you learned your you, you lent your own presence to create these you know minds and bodies and so really speaking you did that without undergoing any change and because you had to inhabit five bodies you did not become thin overnight or in the middle of the night while you were uh, dreaming you did not lose weight see so you you created everything and then when when it was time to wake up all those things collapsed into you leaving just your own memory and your own desires is the cause are the cause of the dream creation you remembered something and you wanted something so the desire for the lottery ticket and the memory of the all your friends and loved ones who can attend this party those are the raw materials for the dream creation so to speak and then even in the in this jagat creation they the same raw materials rest with bhagavan memory how 
how was the last cycle of the universe same blueprint and then desire <laughs> so kamayat bahusyam prajagegeti satapotapyat satapastapva idam idam sarvam asrijat yat dhankincha you know this is this is the whole uh, you know creation uh, you know what is that mythology uh, given in the taittiriya upanishad this great being desired can bhagavan have desires then then whose desires are attributed to bhagavan so the desire the word desires ha- has to, the bhagavan desired has to be in apostrophes so this desire attributed to bhagavan why why attributed to bhagavan attributed to bhagavan because the desire is actually for the jeevas wanting a place to play and eke out and exhaust their karma that is what the desire is all about the desire is not bhagavan's desire but bhagavan takes on that desire as it were bahusyam what is the desire let me be many and then thinking this the thinking itself was enough for the creation without undergoing any change so after creating this whole universe bhagavan is not tired and mopping his her brow and neither is bhagavan upset and frustrated oh my god i should have done better better and neither is bhagavan become very thin and weak because has given everything to the universe no so you know karyam karanaanvitam karanaanvitam karyam so the, the that which is an effect is is you know inheres the cause is non separate from the cause but you here you cannot make the other way round you cannot say the cause is not separate from the effect you cannot say how you know like even our pot you know the the whole pot is clay correct the entire pot is clay the top of it is clay the bottom of it it is clay and then what you know i the the side of it is clay the weight of it is clay the smell of it is clay everything is clay in fact the whole pot you can say is nothing but clay the effect is nothing but the cause but from the standpoint of the cause can you say that clay is pot no clay is clay pot is clay yes jagat is bhagwan bhagwan is bhagwan bhagwan is not the has not become the jagat if bhagwan becomes the jagat then we have pantheism yeah here that is not what vedanta is that is not what we subscribe to it is not a pantheistic you know philosophy this is what this is just to say that you know uh, this is just to see that bhagwan is you know uh, what is that satta spurti pradanena srijati you know has created this universe has you know what should i say has breathed life into this body by merely lending the presence you know and the knowledge but what does it mean lending the presence <laughs> meaning anything that you can say exists you know like even this body is its existence is non separate from bhagavan anything that exists is non separate from bhagavan that is what it means and then what anything that exists 
you know, is all knowledge. When you say flower exists, what are you what are you trying to say? Flower knowledge is asti asti iti upalabhyate. If you divest flower knowledge from the flower, is there an existence? No, because all that you say about the flower is knowledge about the flower. What is this flower? Rose. Okay, that is that is rose knowledge. So, what do the petals look like? Well, this is how they curve downwards and then they give this uh, whatever. How many colors do they come in? Well, there are so many colors and plus we, we have all these hybrid varieties. So, you can have some exotic colors like purple and blue roses or black, what is called the black rose. You can have all, which is very, very dark red rose, which is called black rose. You can have all these things. And now they have this rose, which they have crossed with something which makes it have a kind of a lavendery smell. So, there is that kind of a thing. So, fragrance is different. So, you can do all kinds of things. So, there are many, many roses. So, what is this lavendery smell? It is knowledge. How to put that in a rose? Knowledge. What are the petals like? Knowledge. Flower knowledge. Why does it grow here? Flower knowledge. So, it has all these thorns. Can we have a rose without thorns? Sure, we can, we can, we can grow that. It is again flower knowledge. So, you see, when you say flower is, all you are saying is flower knowledge is. There is no flower other than knowledge. And so, so again, uh, we have to see that this satta existence is not separate from spurti, sentience or knowledge. So, this is what we mean by satta and spurti because anything that exists, you can come to know and you, you, you interact with everything that exists through knowing it. Oh, what's that? Oh, that's a new species they have discovered. A new species of fish, deep sea creature. Can't even be called a fish because it doesn't look like a fish. <laughs> there is one, you know, in the National Geographic, I saw the photograph. It looks like a table lamp. <laughs> really, you know, like a, a very kind of a nondescript small table lamp with a little shade and a little base. And, you know, it even has a little switch, you can see. And that switch is like a feeler. Apparently, it feels. It looks like a table lamp, but it is, you know, it is, it is a kind of, a, what is that? It's, it's a little bit luminescent also. But uh, it's a deep sea creature. Recently, they discovered. So, if supposing if I wanted to ask questions about it from the marine biologist or the scientist who who discovered it and took photographs of this deep sea creature. It doesn't have eyes because there is no light there. It doesn't need eyes, you know, because there is no light in, at, at uh, deep levels of the ocean. And so, supposing if I were to ask question, you know, it is how do I come to, how do I interact with this deep sea creature's existence? It is through knowledge. So, it's an existence that is non-separate from the knowledge. And in fact, to even get to know that existence, uh, even in the, in the words that I'm using, to get to know that existence, I have to deploy knowledge. That's what it is. 
So I'll ask the scientist certain questions. How come it looks like that? Well, it has to protect itself from predators and it has to do this and it has to do that and it has to do go here. So it, it propels itself with this lampshade like thing forward and that lampshade, you know, contracts and expands like this and then it goes forward and then to go backwards it does this and sometimes it likes to scrape the bottom of the ocean and uh, get some things to eat. And then that's what it eats. And then this is how it is. This is all knowledge. Deep sea creature that looks like a table lamp is. But even in its description of what it is, it's already knowledge. See, you interact with everything, sentient and insentient, with, by coming to know about it. It comes to light means it comes within the purview of your knowledge. Its existence comes to light because an existence that does not come to light, can it be called existence? <laughs> now we are getting very Zen-esque, you know. A tree that, uh, the redwood tree that falls in the forest, <laughs> does it make a sound? <laughs> Same thing, you know. An existence that does not reveal itself and that cannot be revealed, is it existent? You know? And you will say, no, it is not existent because I, I don't come to know about it. And then later on, when somehow Bhagavan is ready, you come to know about it and you say, oh, look at this. All this time it was right here and we didn't even know it existed. <laughs> So you see this existence called Satta, Satta, uh, don't get confused between Satta and Satta, it's the same thing. Satta means feminine, that's all, it's a feminine noun, Satta. So Satta and, so Satta means existence. And this existence is non-separate from, from what it is and what it is, is all knowledge. So, and, and that knowledge which is appropriate to the name and form of this existence. That is what is called Satta and Spurti. And then if we go further uh, and, uh, you know, with this chant, which I just chanted about the, about the, um, about Bhagavan's creation, this mythology of, uh, so to speak, creation, or more an Abhi, this Srishti is actually an Abhivyakti. It's a projection. And so if we go along with it, Idagam sarvam asrijat yad idankincha tat srishtva tadevanupra vishat tadanupra vishya satyatyacha bhavat. So, yadidam kincha, whatever is here, seen, unseen, known, unknown, everything was, you know, created by Bhagavan. How, you know, having created a shell, so to speak, of existence, a shell called Nama and Rupa, Bhagavan as though occupied those casings, those various casings called name and form, as it were, occupied them, entered by entering them. This is called Pravesha Shruti, where this, this entering is happening. And so Bhagavan is entering all these names and forms. And then what? You know, without undergoing any change. And this is the meaning of the word Uparistha is above the, the realm of the five elements, is above the creation, not directionally speaking, but Asangatvena, 
Asangatvena means by, by the force of not uh, uh, two things. Asangatvena, by, by being uninvolved, not involved in the creation. The creation is just a mind sankalpa and that sankalpa is itself strong enough to create because there is no desire there. There is no desire to create and the desire is, is propelled by the desire of the jivas we say, you know. And if supposing you were to ask, why did Bhagavan create if you were to press, I will say what creation? Really? Is there a creation? Is there a srishti other than your drishti? <laughs> yeah. Outside of the fact that you see it, does it really exist? You know? What is real here? Then we have to get into the whole, you know, paramarthika and vyavaharika. It exists, but it cannot be affirmed as existent or non-existent. That is what we are talking about, this jagat. Does it exist? Yes. Same way like the pot exists. Does the pot exist? Yes and no. Pot exists, but it's dependent on clay. Clay exists, but it's dependent on, you know, molecules. Molecules exist, but they resolve into particles. Particles exist, but we don't know whether they exist because when you look at them, they start waving and they behave like a wave. Here we are into the realm of quantum physics. Yeah. And then you, you ask it, are you a wave? But I thought you were a particle and then it wants to please you and it turns back into a particle, so to speak. So you don't know. And, and what does that mean? That the observer is affecting the experiment. That's the only way this can happen. It's just fascinating. So really speaking, this Jagat keeps on resolving, resolving, resolving and ultimately is resolved into you. That's what quantum physics is getting ready to say. In fact, it has said that in so many words. And, you know, and uh, even when uh, this, this, uh, this scientist, uh, the one who passed away recently, Stephen Hawking, this uh, uh, astro, astro uh, you know, this astrophysicist was asked, you know, does God exist? And he said that we don't know whether God exists or not. And it is immaterial to, to understanding of this universe. You don't need this concept called God, especially as it has been pushed in, uh, in, in, uh, in Christian and other mainstream theologies. You don't need this concept of somebody who created the universe and literally is standing above or sitting above enjoying heaven while every, all of us are suffering here. You know, here means down below. <laughs> yeah, like the seven up and seven down, even in uh, you know, the Hindu tradition, we have that. We also have Naraka, which is down, which, which is, uh, you know, um, written in the Puranas as, as, as they, they, are, they are located down, meaning not so comfortable. But actually, it's only in terms of comfort, seven up and seven down. But the situation is not up and down. They are all parallel universes. And so here, you know, if you, if you ask some scientist, like Stephen Hawking was asked, you know, does God exist? And, and, and mind you, he is not exposed to Vedanta. He was not exposed to anything that we are talking about. His idea of God, which he had rejected, was which every scientist will reject, ought to reject, because it is totally against logic. 
you can believe something that's beyond logic but you cannot believe something that's against logic that's why adi shankara warns us in in the kathopanishad bhashya that even if a thousand shrutis even if a thousand infallible scriptures come revealed scriptures come and tell you that the property of fire is cold please do not be- believe them use your common sense because if something that is that is perceived that's already established by a valid means of knowledge is is contradicted you know so if if logic is a valid means of knowledge and you are a reasonable person and if that is contribute contradicted completely you know bhagavan is in heaven heaven is limitless earth is not and this heaven is endless you know hell is also endless how can you have two limitlesses <laughs> you know and if if hell is limitless then the suffering is also limitless because you will be there all the time being burnt what is going to be burnt i have left my body be- behind it's already buried or burnt anyway so what am i taking there is it still subject to fire if it's a hot place will i feel the heat and that to endlessly if something is endless then i stop feeling it you know all this we have we have to understand this is against logic and cannot be taken literally it may have some metaphorical meanings and so too if the swarga and naraka are being talked about in the in the vedas they you know they, they are also beyond logic but they are not against logic because you know they are beyond logic they are they too are a matter of belief but nowhere in the veda it says that heaven is limitless endless and you know heaven is permanent क्षीणे पुण्ये मर्त्यलोकम विशंती पुण्या टेक्स यू टू हेवन एक्सपेंडिंग द पुण्या यू कम बैक एंड दैट्स व्हाई एवरी बर्थडे पीपल विश वन अनदर मेनी हैप्पी रिटर्न्स वेरी सैड विश यू नो ओ जीवा मेनी हैप्पी रिटर्न्स मीनिंग मे यू may you have many more may you keep coming back no 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 here we have to invoke a country song <laughs> hit the road jack hit the road of moksha jack don't come back no more no more no more that is the song we prefer really <laughs> not this song <laughs> may you have many more no <laughs> many happy returns no <laughs> this is it because why that's an oxymoron any return cannot be happy <laughs> cannot be happy <laughs> it's a rerun of samsara it's a regurgitation of samsara so we don't have a permanent endless heaven we don't have a permanent endless hell either we have heaven and hell but just like this earth they too are impermanent and you come back after your enjoyment is done and after your papa your you know all the bad karma is similarly exhausted then you come back you know you come back you just you need the currency you take is is your own good merits or demerits to go to either he- heaven or hell respectively this is what this is not against logic it is beyond logic i mean do i have to believe that there is a heaven well it doesn't matter why because regardless of whether you believe there is a heaven th- listen carefully whether you believe there is a heaven or you believe there is no heaven 
it is both a belief, right? So, you know, one fellow says, I believe that heaven exists. Another fellow, he comes and says, I don't believe heaven exists. Both of them are arguing or based on belief. Huh? And, and God also for them, for the mainstream traditions, is a matter of belief. For us, Bhagavad, Ishvara is not a matter of belief. It is a matter of to know, to understand as the truth of the self. So it's not a, here it's a fundamental difference between their concept of God and our understanding of God. Very different, you know. Their concept of God is entirely belief based. And somebody will say, you know, God sent me down to tell you that this is, this is what God is. And I can also say God sent me down to tell you, don't, don't believe in that person. Somebody else can say that. You can say that. So what is it that is, you know, what is, we have to, we have to, I'm not criticizing uh, traditions. I'm criticizing the, the, the way in which the theology, theological interpretations, especially literalist interpretations of something that can be very beautiful if it is looked at from, a, from an objective standpoint. You know, I'm not critiquing the, the, the followers of the tradition or the believers. That's not what the, this is about. This is, a, this is an ontological discussion about means of knowledge and the concept of God which, is, which cannot be, you know, a, a matter of belief. If God exists, it is not, it, it's not to be believed. It's not based on belief. Because then, how can it be said to exist? If there is such a thing as God, it cannot be outside of that which is limitless and it cannot be outside of that which is you. That is what we are, we are coming to here. And so this whole concept of hell, heaven, etc. and the existence of God when, you know, is, is, is important from the standpoint of science because, you see, you know, when uh, I was coming, uh, coming back to the story that I was in the middle of, when Stephen Hawking was asked, does God exist? You know, mind you, we are talking of a belief-based God here because that's what he knew. You know, that's what he was, you know, responding to. And he said, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because that kind of a God, a belief-based God, whether that God exists or not, it doesn't matter. He says, the, 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 the science view of the universe is complete regardless of whether there is such a thing called God and whether I believe that there is such a thing called God or whether I do not believe that there is such a thing called God. It all started with a big bang. Time and space are part of this bang. Yeah. It's not, you cannot ask, when did the big, can we please date the big bang? <laughs> it is undated because there was no time. And you cannot also ask, where did the big bang take place? <laughs> you know, there is no where because space was yet to come. Time was yet to come. Time and space are part of the manifestation. It all came together. It's not like the first day something was created, second day something was created. It, it, you know, according to science, it all was a manifestation. And then what? It has led to uh, forever, it seems, you know, the, a, 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 an expanding universe where everything, all the objects, 
Like supposing there is a polka dotted balloon and you blow into the balloons, the polka dots get further and further away from this vast expanse of the universe, gets further away from one another. Each, each object appears further away from one another. And yet, there are parallels. Yet, you know, objects that are perceived in the universe have certain parallels. There are certain particles that behave in certain ways and they, they create a constellation, they create all this and everything behaves according to laws. You know, when does a star start and when does it end? When does it become a dwarf? When does it become a supernova? All this there is a pattern that they can study. And which planets, maybe Goldilocks planets, you know, which have potential for life, they can say that even without seeing the planet, just by mapping the gravitational force around it, they can find out whether it has water or not, or whether it has the potential to host life. It is just mind-boggling. Think about it. It's just fascinating. And it is exactly in keeping with this chant that I chanted, with this whole idea of being the concept of Bhagavan in, in Vedanta. This is exactly what it is. Space, you, th the, you think of space, space is there, you think of time, time is there, and all this is non-separate from the Creator. You know, all this is non-separate from the Creator, and what is the Creator? So, you know, separate from all this. This is what in, in all theologies, this is called the transcendental, from the transcendental standpoint, God is away from the universe. That is why in, in the Christian tradition, we have this. The transcendental standpoint, God is away from the universe. Seen from the standpoint of what they call the Holy Ghost, you know, that, that is the immanent aspect. Immanent means that every name, every form is, is not without the presence of this Bhagavan. Very, very beautiful. It's very fascinating. But again, you can't take it literally. You have to, you have to understand fully what is being talked about. This is the meaning of the word uparistaha, meaning standing apart from the universe, not as an entity, but as a principle, as a limitlessness. Not as an entity like somebody who is standing outside, but as a but in keeping with the definition of limitlessness, you know, is uninvolved, has not expended itself in creating, so to speak, or in participating in the manifestation of the universe by lending its existence and its knowledge. So, Shruyate, this is what we hear, what, you know, Guneshu Iva Urdhvaretasaha. We have already seen the meaning of Urdhvaretasaha. Here, you know, Guneshu Iva means uh, if we are to talk, if we are constrained to talk about attributes of this which is a limitless entity called Bhagavan, you can't have attributes because then that would make it limitless, uh, sorry, limited. So therefore, if we are constrained to talk about attributes, one thing I will say, Prajapati, you know, in the form of the creator says, uh, you know, the Prajapati, the, uh, the Adhishthana Devata, um, Adhishthana Devata means what? The um, the being, the celestial being charged with the function of creation. And also the teacher of all the devas, the, the good celestial forces. 
this is what according to the stories in the puranas we hear so anyhow so this prajapati says that guneshu iva urdhvaretasah urdhvaretasah means not, did not really create did not really create is 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 having asangatvam is completely objective to the creation stand is not subjectively involved in the creation you know and then there are some more uh, you know what is that um, uh, you know some more definitions from the standpoint of various you know uh, uh, how to understand this entity that we will be seeing uh, tomorrow okay yeah so tomorrow tomorrow yeah tomorrow we have class this same class okay om purnamadah purnamidam purnat purnamudachyate purnasya purnamadaga purnamevavashishyate om shanti 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 hari hi om shri gurubhyo namaha hari hi om